Nazarenos. Bienvenidos a los Nazarenos. Who do we got today, Justin? Oh, so we have um, our buddy, um, the founder of the Fourth Order Franciscans. Yes, sir. Um, uh, Mr. Eric Van Marth, uh, Master of the Divine. Yes, he is. So, um, what are we talking about today, K-Money? Uh, so today, oh, we're talking about an amazing topic that I think is going to really hit home with a lot of eco-spirituality. What, what, we're not talking about economy spirituality? Like, how can I spiritually get that <laughs> <laughs> uh, we mean ecology? Yeah, <laughs> so, um, oh, Eric, do you want to, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself or um sure. well um so my name is eric van marth and um i had the distinct pleasure of studying with both of you uh at one point at franciscan school of theology and um and i am currently serving as a chaplain at providence st peter hospital in olympia washington and um, my interest, my focus has been uh, for a long time on the intersection between faith and spirituality, especially within the Franciscan Catholic Christian context, and ecology. And what does this stuff mean for our natural world? Does it mean anything for our natural world? Or is, it, is, is religion, Christianity, just about getting to heaven we die, mm-hmm. you know, sort mm-hmm. of the pie in the sky theology. Whatever happens here doesn't really matter because someday we'll go to heaven and everything will be great. So um, I I don't really agree with that theology. And mm-hmm. so my interest has really been, you know, how does how does what we believe and how we practice our faith you know, impact the natural world around us, creation. And so um, that's sort of been my passion and, um, and what I sort of the bent of my studies when I was graduate school in, in the seminary. So, um, yeah, so that's just sort of that's my own personal, um, my own, my own personal interest. That's sort of the way my, my, my studies have gone. Yeah, I, I would argue, and I'm sure we'll just we'll bring this up even more that um, the Bible and agrees with your position, Eric. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. yeah, it's always good when you can say the Bible's on my side. You know, um, I think maybe a more important question is whether we're on the Bible side. But, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think that, I think you're right. I think that beginning with, the Old Testament scriptures all throughout, there's an inclusive view of what it means to be saved and redeemed. Mm-hmm. And, um, beginning, uh, really, I, I think beginning with Noah, mm-hmm. um, that, um, well, really beginning, I would say, first of all, beginning with Genesis. I mean, if God creates right. the universe, God declares it good. Yeah, and um, and uh, then he creates humanity as a caretaker. You know, and Genesis gives 
says that God gives Adam um, dominion over creation, which is different from domination. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, dominion means caretaking. Dominion means you're taking care of. It comes from the same word of domus, you know, in Latin uh, house. Um, you're taking care of your house. You're taking care of your home. You're taking care of your, uh, you know, everybody who lives under your roof. Mm-hmm. And so domination, by contrast, is exploiting creation. It's it's using creation as just a, a simple resource for your own desires, which is what we've been doing for 500 years in the last yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so I think it begins with Genesis, and then in, in, um, in the story of Noah and the flood, God wipes out basically the entire known world. But along with Noah and his family, God allows for the salvation of all animals too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's really. Uh, Nature and by the way, when I say creation, creation is a theological word. It's not just another word for nature. They're two different things. Mm-hmm. Nature does not imply well. Creation implies a creator, right? So when I say creation, it's also a reference to God as creator, and it puts the the natural world around us within a, a relational context with God. Nature, by contrast. Uh, is, does not imply a creator, and uh, it, then then you we can kind of divorce the natural world from any kind of soul, any kind of uh, relationship to a creator. So, um, so yeah. So, um, what are you gonna say now? Yeah. So th- there again, you know, the Noah, the Noah story, you know, allows for the salvation of, of creation along with all of creation, not just Noah's family, and um, and sort of follows through the Old Testament's um, stories of the, the kings of, mm-hmm. of Israel, Judea, and how, depending on you know um, their ruling, the, the way they rule, whether they're godly kings or not, impacts creation around them. Yeah, and, um, right. Um, all those famines when you worship idols. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you have to be, you know, the king and the king has to be in right relationship with God um, in order for the, in order for creation around, in order for creation in in the kingdom to also thrive. Yeah, traveled for a long time. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) That makes me also think of uh, uh, Romans eight, where you have this line of like all of creation is like groaning for the children of god to in my paraphrase get their act together get their crap together (laughs) yeah hang on a second i'm going to grab my bible hang on oh yeah go for it yeah so i i wanted to just read from the text that justin just mentioned for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of god for the creation was subjected to futility not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to decay and would obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Hmm. So the hope there that Paul is talking about really is the same hope that we have as 
resurrected human beings that or our, our bodies will be changed into a glorious body like that of the resurrected Christ. But what Paul is saying here is he's, he's expressing the hope that all of creation will also have that same transformative experience. Right. Yes, I wanted to jump in and just like, I think this is highly kind of building off of what Paul was saying and maybe relating it to our current context and um, the uh, global ecological crisis that there, there is this notion, um, I don't remember exactly where the theology comes from, um, but that it's like, it's not just like hum humanity's sin doesn't just impact humanity, but it's impacts the whole of creation. And I think there's an air of that in what Paul is saying by saying like, it's creation is groaning, groaning for humanity's salvation. So that way we stop messing up creation <laughs> through our sin. And like, we see that on a, just in some parts of the world, catastrophic scale right now. Um, and so, so it's, uh, how, how can we get on the side of what's actually in the Bible <laughs> around this topic? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think the important thing for me to remember is that ultimately our, our faith, our spirituality has to do with relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really emphasized by um, St. Francis, as he he recognized that just as all things come from one God, we're all children of God, not just on a human level, but but on a non-human level too. Like God has created everybody, everything. Mm -hmm. And so if we're all coming from the same God, the Father, then we're all brothers and sisters to each other. And he, St. Francis always referred to even animals as brother and sister, you know, and he would call, you know, sister rabbit and brother deer and brother wolf. And, and of course, you know, throughout his life, over the course of several years, he composed his, his famous poem, The Canticle of the Creatures, mm -hmm. which begins with brother, son, and sister moon. And so he really, I think in a sense, rediscovered the importance of relationship in, in faith. And um, I think that's how, that's the key, I think, to getting back on the side of the Bible when it comes to care for our common home, care for creation. It, it's recognizing that we have, um, we have a relationship, a brotherly, sisterly relationship mm -hmm. to everything around us, both animate and inanimate. And when we recognize that, you know, this is brother or sister Redwood. Yeah. You, know, you, you have, a, you have a, a, a kinship relationship to this tree. But this is, this is a, a, a child of God just like anything else. Then you're less likely to chop it down mm -hmm. and turn it into furniture, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's really the key. Is, is recognizing and honoring the relationships um, between us and, and creation. 
Yeah, I, this just pops in my head about like this this interrelatedness with creation when you think about plant life is um it's not even it's it's more than just a religious sentiment it's also like a scientific fact that like our oxygen comes in part from the plants around us yeah like we're if we're if we're killing plant life we are at the same time killing ourselves <laughs> yeah yeah that's right there's actually a quote from pope benedict in his um and i'm going to switch over here in his encyclical um in, Car in caritas in veritate right um love and truth in english one of his encyclicals Pope Benedict says, the way humanity treats the environment influences the way it treats itself and vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, I, to your point, Dustin, um, yeah, not only are we damaging the, the plants that give us oxygen, in a sense, when we do that, we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. and there's a direct relationship between how we treat creation and how we treat each other. I mean, if you look at the way we treat creation, in the West, um, and how it's always simply been a resource for our own needs, and then compare it with how we've treated each other mm -hmm. in the West, and how other people oftentimes are means to an end for corporations, for governments, you know, even individuals, and, and how we objectify and use other people. To, to satisfy our own desires. There's a direct relationship. You know, because it's not about the other person. It's not about um, the animals and the plants around us. It's really about us. It's, it's about me and about my own heart. Yeah, absolutely. It's a ramp rampant individualism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Creation. And so this, this idea of, you know, how we treat nature is, is very correlated to how we treat one another. So then my question would be, uh, you know, focusing on the capstone that you created, how can you take this form of spirituality and then see it being worked in like a parish setting, or maybe even just like if people aren't like in a parish setting, like how can you work it into your day to day? Like, how can you work it into your house, into your life, you know? Yeah, well, on a parish level, um, mm -hmm. there's, there's been a big push by the bishops to, um, and, and the Pope, Pope Francis, um, who, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Francis and his. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, I mean, Laudato Si really talks about uh, all of what you just said, you know, and, um, the, the interrelation between how we treat creation and other people and what to do about it. And um, so in the church, there are, the Pope would like to see uh, care for creation teams in every parish. Mm -hmm. I know that um, where I was uh, in the Diocese of San Diego, um, the bishop there, Bishop McElroy, 
also pushed for a, a team in every parish. Well. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that was before COVID. You know, that was before <laughs> right, yeah. and everything. So since then, I have moved from the San Diego area. And it's 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 hard enough just getting to church, but <laughs> yeah. So on the right. parish level, I would say, you know, if, if there is a care for creation team, join it. And if there isn't one, make one, you know, mm-hmm. and, and try to get other like-minded people together for action. And uh, and that can look like a lot of different things. Um, in our group, we studied, um, we studied Laudato Si, and we used uh, some different study materials. We, we used the series on Laudato Si that we found online. Um, Father Dan Horan, mm-hmm. the yeah. has a fantastic series on YouTube about the Doctor C, where he really explains the the document. So we would go through week by week and just watch an episode per week and discuss the Doctor C. Um, we also uh, created programs for recycling and um, pushed for a smaller carbon footprint for the parish building itself. And we created a, uh, a uh, community garden. And there was an empty lot uh, that belonged to the church next to the building. And the, the priest allowed us to use that as a space for a communal garden where people could come and um, basically rent for a very, very nominal fee. I mean, it was like 100 bucks a year or something. And... Um, have a garden box to grow food, you know, and so this brought the, the parish together as well. You know, there are people who came together who didn't previously know each other, and, and now they have great relationships with each other. So, um, so there's a lot of things that can be done on the parish level, um, and, and and the diocesan, and then on an individual basis, I think that it can really become the basis for personal spiritual um, again with that relationship piece in mind something I do when I do an examination of conscience rather than going down the list of sins or even the Ten Commandments I examine my relationships mm-hmm. and I ask myself first of all what's my relationship been with lately with God mm-hmm. with other people with the natural world around me with creation and then with my own soul. So those four relationships, and I examine those relationships and find the ways in which I have been less than loving and caring. And so I think when it comes to our relationship with creation, that can really be the basis, sort of emphasizing that relationship. One way you can do that is by measuring your carbon footprint there's several tools online that you can use to determine, you know, how how big is my carbon footprint, and then working to to lessen that mm-hmm. in the interest of creation. And ways that we can do that are traveling less, either by mm-hmm. car or especially airplane. By by air, you know, flying is one of the most polluting. It is the most polluting form of transportation. Yeah. And, um, but um, so walk, bike, take a bus, you know, mm-hmm. also eating a more plant-based diet. And I'm not advocating for strict vegetarianism or veganism because, uh, yeah, I myself 
have a really hard time with that. But I've definitely cut meat out a lot in my diet, and that I don't need as much. So when I do have a cheeseburger, it's it's more of a treat uh, than a staple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, another, you know, as Catholics, we have meatless Fridays, at least during mm-hmm. Lent, and that's right. a good thing to incorporate. Just as a as a practice, let's go back to that. Yeah, and um, don't eat meat on Friday. Right. I would, I would include fish in that category. You know, don't eat mm-hmm. don't eat shrimp or lobster either. You know, and that would be a form of eco penance mm-hmm. of turning back towards that relationship, turning back towards the love between me and these in the created world, um, and in a way of, of honoring that that loving relationship and caring for creation. Um, so those are you know just some ways. I think to, to incorporate this way of thinking into our own our own spirituality, and finally uh, another practice that I've found to be really really helpful, really profound. Uh, you know, we're familiar with the term lexio divina, mm-hmm. where we take the text from scripture or some other holy writing and we really mull it over in our minds slowly. Cool. And what I would recommend doing is um, natura divina, mm-hmm. is to go and sit under a tree or in front of a flower or um, a rock or something like that, some piece of nature, mm-hmm. and really regard this creature as you would a scriptural text and just wait and, and see what this what this has to tell you. What yeah. this planet has to tell you, yeah. what this tree has to tell you, and to see, to see God in this, um, not in a pantheistic way, not in the sense mm-hmm. that God is in all creatures, or God is all creatures, mm-hmm. but that God is in all creatures. Yeah, I, I, I think I told this story one time, but I, I, I had an experience of a. Uh, what, Natrio Divina? <laughs> um, that's a, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and I remember, I, I think I had been reading Merton, so I was, I was, I was in another dimension. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember sitting in my backyard and this, this little bug just like walking by. And then I was like, because I think I'd read something in Merton that was like every single thing that happens around you is God trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. And so I see this bug and I'm like, okay, what, what is God trying to tell me mm-hmm. through this bug? <laughs> um, yeah. And kind of after like meditating on that experience, probably for a couple months, because I didn't want to just jump to a conclusion because <clears throat> I knew I would miss the point. Um <laughs> It's like, well, let me examine this from a <laughs> systematic approach. But, so, yeah. um, but my thought, and, and I think this can apply to really a lot of, if you're meditating on the world around you, if, yeah. like you, you can't love God if you don't love the smallest thing of his creation. Mm-hmm. Like, even like the way we talked about earlier about our relationships with other people, like it's all interconnected. And it's like, Mm -hmm. and 
and how can you say that you love God if you treat your neighbor like crap, if you treat the world around you like crap? You, yeah. if, you're, if you're bad to the things that God has created, then mm-hmm. you're not doing God justice either. Right. Pope Francis likes to quote from a Brazilian theologian by the name of Leonardo Bach, who wrote a book, <laughs> Cry of the Earth, Cry of the Poor, uh, or Cry of the Poor, Cry of the Earth. It's the same cry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, I think that's a really just profound image. Yeah. So I bought an EV. Am I working? Does that mean I'm working on my, my carbon footprint? Or does that just make me a bougie white guy? Bougie white guy. <laughs> I'll answer for you. Don't worry, Eric. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to even explain what an EV is. I, I, I bought an electric car. <laughs> oh. <laughs> bougie white guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, ruined by an EV. <laughs> Ecological penance, like my boy Eric said. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 um, I think electric vehicles are great. And um, the, the question that I have though is, um, when you plug it in, where's that power? Coming? Yeah, yeah, that's sure. like we've got to get solar panels on our house. Yeah. So if you're investing in wind power or solar, um. You know, that's, I think that's a different question. If you can charge that thing with renewable resources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The temptation for people to, to buy a Prius or something uh, and say, I'm doing my part. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, the heart is there. The intention is there. Mm-hmm. But if you're powering it with coal power, you know, mm-hmm. a power plant, it, it, it comes out to be about the same. And, yeah. um, so, and the danger too is is falling into the temptation of status. Yeah, mm. bougie know. white guy. <laughs> <laughs> it goes really fast, and it looks really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does go fast. It, it goes faster than a couple of like the the, the Mustang series. I saw them like go head to head a couple like YouTube videos, and it just Tesla just beats it every single time. Mm-hmm. It just like takes off. Well, I, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm just gonna get my ticket to Mars with Elon <laughs> once he starts yeah. terraforming it, and yeah, uh, we'll just screw this planet. I, I'm ready yeah. to, de- yeah. to destroy another one. <laughs> Go find Dominion in another planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. That I, we're on a tangent now, but that makes me think about how much trash is in space. in the ocean dude like like you guys seen those islands out there those trash Mm -hmm. islands those are crazy Mm -hmm. i just there's a yeah there's a a a space in the atlantic ocean the size of Mm -hmm. Texas. yeah and actually this was several years ago so it may even be bigger it Mm -hmm. might also include louisiana i don't know (laughs) it's just plastic you know yeah Yeah. it's it's nauseating. Yeah, I, it's like uh, what was I think? I was saying at Wally when they like mm. just the entire planet is like yeah. surrounded by s- dead satellites. Yeah, but then I also think, and there's got to be it's there's got to be a scientist who can figure this out. 
Like, let's just launch all our trash into the sun. Like, if we, if we took, and I'm being, this is only, uh, I'm being semi facetious. So people don't take me super seriously. But (laughs) I mean, how much money do we spend uh, on uh, landfills and digging and all that? Like, well, let's, we, we, we're, we're smart enough to, launch trash into the sun (laughs) that is true we are smart enough to do we're smart enough to do other stuff i figured we can you know figure that one out in a week or or once we figure out nuclear fusion it'll be like spider-man 2 and we'll have a little sun and we can just chuck trash into it and then we'll turn our trash into energy look at that renewable trash now we've gone full circle now i love it <laughs> All right. Um maybe maybe turning back to being serious. <laughs> um uh Eric, if I remember right, in your capstone had a Marian theme to it. Um mm-hmm. and of we're Catholics, most of our listeners are Catholic, and, and Mary is uh undeniably a big deal <laughs> for Catholics. So um how can how can a Marian devotion relate to care for creation? Yeah. Well, as Catholics, we view Mary as our mother, for one thing. Um, not just the mother of Jesus, but mother of all of us, because we're all we are all part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so um, one way that we can one thing we can do is to go to Mary and ask for her intercession and ask, ask for her because, you know, look, the, the crisis on earth is to the point where it's going to require divine interest intervention mm-hmm. in order to, to do anything about this. I mean, a few weeks ago, the United Nations came out and said we've passed the tipping point. And it's not a question of whether we can reverse this or not. We can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's a question of how bad will it be? Mm-hmm. And so we've really reached a point, I think, where um, you know, my, in my prayer life, I've really turned to turn from asking for people to, you know, praying for people to change their ways, praying for better legislation, praying for wise leadership, to just really calling out to God, save us. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is there is that, and and calling on Mary to to pray for us and for the earth. Um. So. Um, I think there's another piece too. When we look at the life of Mary, she really encapsulates what it means to be a Christian. She was the mm-hmm. first Christian, of course, and she was sort of the the, the, the ultimate Christian. Mm-hmm. And yeah. part of what that means is standing at the foot of the cross mm-hmm. and grieving. And I think grief is is an important part of this. When we don't grieve, if we lose somebody, 
we lose a grandparent or a friend um, and we don't grieve properly, that will come back to bite us. It'll come back like a zombie later on and it can turn into a pathology. You know, we can, we can really suffer psychologically and uh, if we don't grieve a loss. And so grief is important and it's an important part of our faith and an important part of our spirituality. And so I think in addition to asking Mary for prayer, I think it's important to stand with her and grieve over the losses that we're experiencing. And sometimes these losses are very personal. People don't really put two and two together all the time. But I mean, I can tell you from my perspective, when I was a little boy, we lived not far from a lake. And we would go as a family to this lake and we'd fish and we had a boat, we'd go boating. Um, uh, we'd have birthday parties on the beach and all this stuff. Today, that lake is gone. Mm-hmm. It's dried up because um, because of the water shortage. There's a drought, you know, and so that lake is gone. And that's a personal loss for me and for my family and for my town, where I came from. Um, there's a lot of revenue that's lost because people would come from larger cities in the area to 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 for recreation so that's a serious loss and what's my response you know my response has to be to grieve it mm-hmm. to experience not only acknowledge the reality of this loss but to work through the pain of that loss which is what it means to mourn and to adjust to a new reality and and to try to form a new connection going forward, you know? And what does that connection look like? It, it means that I take responsibility for me, you know? It ta- I take responsibility for, for the impact that our actions are having on the planet. So that's, that's all grief work, mm-hmm. right? That's what it means to grieve. And I think that, Mary, Mary is the ultimate mourner, the mourner for excellence, because she stood at the cross and watched her son die in excruciating death. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we can join Mary in that, but at the same time, we can't forget that our faith tells us that there's something more. Yeah. That come Easter Sunday, we stand with Mary and experience the resurrection. And and so there's that hope once again, where and I, you know, I don't want to 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 uh, sound like the pie in the sky theology, or don't worry, someday we'll all be in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. But we do have a hope that all of creation will be saved, all of creation will be redeemed, mm-hmm. and experience the resurrection of Christ. And so we stand with Mary there, and so we we pray with Mary, and. Um, we ask for her wisdom. We ask for her guidance. Uh, and, and we pray with her and we stand with her as we experience this in our own lives. Um, so, and of course, there's also a, a correlation between Mary, our mother, and Earth, our mother. Mm-hmm. mother Mary, our mother Earth. And so, you know, she represents. Um, 
you know, she, we believe that she is not divine, right? Jesus is divine. Jesus has that dual nature of, of human and divine. But Mary is human. But, but she sort of holds that space of mother, just like Earth kind of holds that space. So there's, I think there's a correlation. Um, and so I, I think it's important as we experience creation around us to, to, re, to maybe think of, um, to think of the Earth as part of that Marian family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as children, not only of the same father, but of the same mother. Mm-hmm. Because we are so interconnected. Yeah. You know, that maybe by way of, I don't even know if it's analogy, but as you were talking, something that came to mind was um, just maybe like a theology of the incarnation in general, and that the text in John's prologue, it says, and the word became flesh. And the Greek word sarks for flesh, it did not say the word became human. Right. So it was like Christ became the stuff of creation. Like it, it was it wasn't just God entering humanity, but it was God radically entering all of the created order. Um, right. And that isn't possible without Mary's yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think too, um, to, to pull a little bit on our uh, Franciscan heritage mm-hmm. um, in the Franciscan tradition, creation is a big deal there. And I think that's because beginning with Francis, but certainly including St. Bonaventure, Doctor of the Church, and mm-hmm. Jonathan Scotus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this idea that creation didn't stop on the sixth day, and yeah. you know, on the seventh day, when God rested. That creation was an ongoing event, and that how does God create? God creates through speaking, by speaking. Um, God speaks the word, and it comes into existence. Mm-hmm. And so, Every creature out there, you know, this tree, this flower, this dog, this cat, every creature is a word of God, mm. spoken and loved into existence. And so there's kind of a, an emphasis on, on how God manifests himself in the world. And that, yes, there's, there's that unique incarnation of Christ which is where the word itself became flesh in a, in a special way. But at the same time, um, each creature is, is a word of God expressing itself. And so God can, can be said to be all, you know, uh, all over creation in, mm-hmm. in each creature. Again, not a pantheistic mm-hmm. viewpoint, but a panentheistic that God is in each creature, or rather, each creature is in God. Yeah, and we did a good deep dive on kind of Franciscan theology um, and the concept of hakcheitas. Mm-hmm. So, um, listeners, mm-hmm. if you want to go back to season two, 
and mm-hmm. find the episode that is the way of beauty in Franciscan theology. You can right. really deep deep dive into that concept. Right. Bring your goggles. <laughs> Bring your goggles. <laughs> it's deep. It is, yeah. <laughs> With that John Dunn Scotus. I remember I took Mary Beth's, I took a um, one of Mary Beth's like intensives on uh, John Dunn Scotus and we had to read her book understanding John Dunn Scotus and I'm just like I don't think it's possible to understand John Dunn Scotus <laughs> yeah yeah whenever we were in class and somebody had a text from Scotus I knew I was in for it you know uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go camping in the woods with this textbook and we'll be out in a week yeah right yeah you, you have to like my my thought now is like reading you have to have an intermediary for scotus like you cannot unless you're like you've spent a decade in philosophical study and like learning latin yeah Yeah, exactly like like when i read the raw text of the scotus it's like the objectivity of the subject of the rock just, just stop here i'm like what what are you saying and then <laughs> and so you need someone like sister mary beth to to uh delineate what he's saying yeah yeah, yeah. i think he was so much more profound than Aquinas. oh and, yeah um and you know there's such a big emphasis on thomistic and neo-thomistic theology mm-hmm. in the church, with this reliance on saint thomas aquinas but and I hate to see this I say this, and I don't mean any disrespect, but sometimes I think that's because by comparison, Aquinas is a lot easier to understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not that the theology was yeah. easier, but that it was just easier to understand. Uh-huh. Well, and that's what they, they, I mean, that's his, uh, Scotus's title as the, the subtle doctor. <laughs> People don't like nuance. They don't like subtlety. They want to be spoon-fed. And, yeah. Um, and I and now we're on another tangent, but that's okay because we love tangents here. We do, yeah. Like I, the way that um, Aquinas's theology has been used, like the past hundred fifty years, maybe, and mm-hmm. and maybe, and this might be even more the past fifty years in like popular Catholic consciousness. Uh, Aquinas is rolling in his grave. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah. He was so he was a humble man. He was uh, like, there's all these jackasses out here who think they're theologians. You know, well, Aquinas says, and I was like, you know, yeah. did you know that the Summa is not considered divinely inspired by the Church? Only, <laughs> only sacred scripture is. So, yeah. so keep. Back the f off. <laughs> I, I like to uh, I like to point out that Aquinas thought the concept of the immaculate conception was ridiculous and heretical. Uh huh. So did yeah. so did Augustine. Yeah. So you drop that on them, and then all of a sudden their whole pra- uh, Catholic identity is in crisis. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Give me a second. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> time, time to be a Protestant. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or wow. uh, bring on the schism. They can. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right well um kerwin you got something to get us back on track 
so in the beginning we talked a little bit about this and maybe maybe we don't have to re- recircle back to it and stuff uh but it was just like this 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 idea of like dominion and how we um you know how it's granted to man by the creator but it's not this absolute power right so it's like uh, nor can we speak of freedom uh, to kind of like as as one place. And so how can we like, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just, uh, I don't know. Like I was just like thinking about the meaning and how that, that, that works out. Cause I was thinking about what um, I think father Casey, he talks about this in one of his videos where like, there's like this, this idea of like, there's three forms or maybe it was just two of how Genesis and creation is looked at, right? Where one is just like care for creation. And then the other one is just like, I'm going to just take everything. But now that I think about it, I think we already talked about that in the beginning. So I don't have something to bring this back to. <laughs> okay. No, I was just like, I just had to talk it through out loud. In my mind, I thought I had something, but once I was saying it, I was just like, no. And we're leaving that in. We're not going to edit that out. <laughs> Perfect. That's thing. And this is this is where this is where people get happy. They're like, "Yeah, this guy's dumb." <laughs> <laughs> um, Let the white people speak, Kerwin. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why we're gonna have a, a our next episode. We're gonna have two ladies on, so it'll be be yeah. Justin and Kerwin smash the patriarchy and yeah, talk about. <laughs> talk about women's stories in the bible um, <laughs> but well eric do you have anything you want to like add or any directions you want to go in um to continue the conversation or have we have we covered um, enough for people to chew on for one session <laughs> yeah it's i mean we've covered quite a bit um i think that i really want to emphasize that Laudato C is really brilliant and so mm-hmm that has not gotten much attention in the United States. And um, it seems like, um, I think maybe maybe even the dominant culture in the Catholic Church in the United States tends away from things like the environmental crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be seen in some of the recent statements from the USCCB and especially around voting um, and things like that. So not to say that um, they're wrong or that that's poor leadership or anything, because you know those all of those you know, topics and issues are, are extremely important. But there hasn't been very much emphasis given to Laudato Si mm-hmm. because it runs against some basic fundamental foundational American beliefs and practices. Yeah. Um, and and the powers that be corporately and legislatively. Um, you know, and part of that is um, uh, really a combination of consumer practice, consumer uh, capitalism, yeah. you know, fast fashion food. You know, disposable everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. everything's disposable. Yeah. Um, things like that, where, you know, the, the focus is on 
consuming and buying more and more and more so that we can pay these people to make more and more stuff. And that's what keeps the economy going, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that model, that economic model is not sustainable. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that the Pope talks about in his encyclical, I don't see. And when you go against the dominant culture, uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of attention from it, you know? Um, so I think that's really uh, unfortunate. I think that Laudato Si is, in my mind, it is just as profound as Humanavite. Mm-hmm. And it ought to be, um, we ought to be talking about it as much as we talk about it. Yeah. I, I think it's a good point to say that as far as level of, um, teaching authority within the church, Humanae Vitae is an encyclical, a papal encyclical, and Laudato Si is a papal encyclical. Laudato Si has just as much magisterial authority as Humanae Vitae. And um, for there's cafeteria Catholics of all flavors out there. So, So don't be no cafeteria Catholic and reject what the Pope is teaching. <laughs> um, I, and I think uh, while you were speaking, Eric, two thoughts came to mind. It's that like this dominant, like capitalist consumer mentality and um, economic system is part of the culture of death as, mm. as JP2 termed it. Like it's, it kills people like the, how many how many children had to have their hands lobbed off for us to have iPhones. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's that dire, but it's definitely probably slave labor or right. Yeah, as, as or it's just like what countries are losing their natural resources in order for us to be able to manufacture the chip that makes our mm-hmm. camera smaller to make mm-hmm. our cell phone lighter so that we can record tiktoks you know what i'm saying it's just like it's just the reality of these things mm-hmm. now having said that we are relying on that technology at this moment right yes. we're, we're yeah. talking mm-hmm. on our computers on right. i think people are listening to that so you know what do you do that's that's a systemic evil. yeah that, yeah that. personal sin you know because this is the world that we live in we live in a fallen and broken right. world part of that world involves Technology that relies on the dignity of life and help people in, in, in the world. Yeah. So systemic to address. Right. And then maybe like finding that balance. Do you really need to give up your iPhone 11 to get the iPhone 12 X plus RX PQ? <laughs> you know, like, no, like your iPhone 11 is working great. And sure, the updates are going to mess up the battery life and stuff, but like ride it out until hey. you don't the newest one. Yeah, you yeah. had your six forever. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I had my iPhone six, and like there was like the iPhone twelve was already out. It's just like you just you just write it out with sixteen gigabytes, and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Well, in that, Eric, you bring up a great point about like we also need to shift our and this I think relates perfectly to care for creation and even other things like systemic racism and whatnot. That we need to shift our mindset from just personal sin that like there is and i think um even when you reread paul from a more like 
critical lens, he's not talking so much about personal sin as he talks about the collective sin that we all contribute to, contribute to the like trajectory of like decisions made decades or centuries ago that have snowballed into a giant system of sin that we knowingly and unknowingly participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the last thing I wanted to say in this vein was that um, just kind of building more off of your point, Eric, about like the the dominant Catholic culture in the United States. Um, care for creation is a pro-life issue if you absolutely if we want to use that those terms like um there's (laughs) if it's about preserving human life then we need to also preserve where human life resides yeah right yeah absolutely and you know also kind of to that point justin one of the things that i really love about the, the catholic church is its social teaching, mm-hmm. um, which goes back 130 years, you know, to uh, Leo the Thirteenth, I believe, wrote yeah. the first the first social justice. And and so there, I mean, there's such a rich treasure trove of of teaching and, and spirituality, and when you compare. Um, and it's not just the United States, it's the entire world. It seems that you know, economic systems are divided into one of two camps. You're either a capitalist or you're a socialist. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but the, the, the challenge is when I look at both of those systems, they both have the same starting point, which is capital, mm-hmm. right? which, is, which is the dollar. Yeah. What if we viewed an economic system beginning with human dignity and value you know that the human being created in the image of god and honored them as such yeah and started with that in a con you know um so um so i i just think you know for, for listeners out there if you're at all interested if any of this stuff piques your curiosity at all i would just encourage you to look at the social teaching of the church, you know, and, and just get a social teachings. There's some really great texts out there. Um, doing faith justice is one text that's really good. That that addresses the um, the the questions and the issues of the social teaching of the church. We'll link to it in the show notes. Oh, I love it. Yes, I was wondering when you were going to say that. I was like, yes, please. We'll also try to see it. And I can try to look for it and send it your way. I do like this thing with my kids. And this is after like hearing a lot of Eric's presentations back in uh, San Diego. And I try to do it now every single time that I teach a religion class, which is kind of have their, the kids like really know like what their carbon footprint is, you know? And so like we go through this website that's a super, I think it's like a website that you use for your program. Or for your capstone, Eric, and it's the same one that I use, and it just it, it asks a couple of questions, maybe ten questions, and then it, it gives you what you generate, you know, what your carbon footprint is, and then the kids really take a step back 
and they like it just blows your mind so maybe we can add that on there also people just want to be like hey like i just i just want to know what my footprint is like why not you know i know that i was for sure taken back by um and you're right like air travel was the one that just like blew my mind away i'm just like this is what because i think it even breaks it down to like what is the like the greatest uh, uh, contributor to your footprint and so it's just like travel by plane is for sure Mm -hmm. the one that blew my mind thankfully i am like deathly afraid of flying so (laughs) (laughs) i have a panic attack before every flight (laughs) where i'm like i'm gonna die i'm gonna pray the rosary the entire time that i'm flying (laughs) on this plane (laughs) all right uh all right well i think that kind of that should be this is a good length for a podcast yeah um I think so. uh so eric thanks so much for hopping on here um if mm. if people are sick or dying in the washington area they can and they're at your hospital they can yeah. they can <laughs> seek your brilliant counsel <laughs> your love and compassion um but all at least they can bring them communion you know yeah <laughs> there you go yeah we you can uh you know, throw a little holy water on them maybe yep. secretly yeah. baptize them before they oh wow i jest i jest <laughs> um can you do holy water at this point because of covid or no or are they just like yeah, we have only one. Yeah. Oh, you do? Nice. That's cool. All right. Well, um, thanks again to Eric uh, Van Marth, <laughs> chaplain extraordinaire, master of the mm. divine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> founder of the Fourth Order Franciscans. Um, <laughs> for, for I was telling my kids a joke about like the different orders of the friars and they didn't think it was funny. It's <laughs> 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 hilarious. Well, the fourth order is for all of us who don't want to sit with a bunch of fuddy-duddy old people in the third order who actually don't feel Franciscan at all. So at least that's yeah. my ex- experience. I, I'm actually inquiring into the third order here, and I have to say that I'm really impressed with the with the local fraternity. Oh, so awesome. I have to give a shout-out nice, shout to them, the, uh, the local uh, fraternity of the third order here in Olympia and Koala, the uh, St. Mother Cabrini fraternity. So. Awesome. Nice. And if anybody's interested in exploring more of that, you know, there's a whole Franciscan world out there. And so, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Google can be your friend. Be yeah. <laughs> right. That's yeah. A, well, that's our tag. We are fun, faithful, and Franciscan ish. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Eric. Really appreciate Thank you. it. And we'll we'll catch you next time on Los Nazarenos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Out. All right. Out.